0: It's my privilege to introduce to, you, to introduce to you today Brother Rick Whittle. Brother Whittle is the preacher at the Spanish Fort Church of Christ in Spanish Fort, Alabama. If you're unsure where that is, it's on the eastern shore of um, Mobile Bay down there on the Gulf Coast. And when I lived in Pensacola and worked at, with, with the Santa Hill Church of Christ, Rick was at Spanish Fort. And every year that I was at Scenic at Hills, he was a summer series speaker for us. He also spoke at numerous youth events throughout the time that I was down there, and we were blessed to, to, to have him in that area, and I was excited at the opportunity to invite him to come up here and be a part of this program for us today. Brother Rick has been with the Spanish Fork Congregation for, I think, 19 years. Prior to that, he spent 20 years in Christian education, particularly with the Mobile Christian School, where... Uh, where he worked in administration, but as a teacher as well at times, and a coach, uh, which is one thing I always noticed about Rick when he speaks, you sound like you're listening to a coach while he speaks. But we are very blessed to have Rick with us today, and I believe he's going to start off today's study of uncomfortable with the subject of an uncomfortable role. Brother Rick.
1: Thank you, Kyle, I appreciate very much uh, that introduction. And I'm excited to be here today. Uh, It's taken a while for us to get this together with the pandemic and everything. We were all set last year and then kind of was on uh, watch to see how things were gonna go. And finally uh, talking with Mike, it was decided it was best to postpone things and I'm glad that you were able to put it back together and uh, this year, and I'm glad that you remembered me and invited me to come up and to be here. As Kyle mentioned, I am the pulpit minister at Spanish Fort Church. If you're ever headed down to the beaches, uh, down there, the Gulf Coast beaches, uh, stop by and see us. We're not right at the beach. Uh, Baldwin County is a big, it, 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 I think it's the fifth in population, but it's the largest in land mass as far as the counties in Alabama. It's a, it's a huge county from one end to the other Uh, we're on the north end of it on the south end of course is where the beaches are Uh, we're about 40 miles or so away from that but a lot of people pass through there because we are about a mile from i-10 and so if you're doing any traveling down that way as he mentioned we're only uh, just across mobile bay from mobile uh, or as we call it the great gulf uh, that separates us Uh, It's funny, the people that live in Baldwin County where I uh, preach uh, don't like to go to Mobile. It's almost like that's the worst place you could possibly go. They don't want to drive across that Bayway and all that to get over there. But um, again, if you're ever in our area, we'd love to have you worship uh, with us. Prior to that, I was at Mobile Christian for about 21 years or so there. Uh, I was a football coach there. Uh, it's kind of funny because last Saturday uh, there's a little Christian school down uh, at one of the uh, other churches there in Baldwin County, and they have a little football team, and last Saturday they asked me to come down there and speak at their coach's clinic. And So last Saturday I was had on the coach's hat, this, uh, <laughs> this Saturday I've got on the preacher hat uh, to be up here with you uh, at this. I first met Kyle at Gulf Coast Bible Camp. Uh, when he was doing youth ministry uh, at Scenic Hills, and we spent a lot of time over there uh, and everything. And then, like he mentioned, uh, he was always gracious to ask me to come and be a part of their summer series. I don't know what caused it or whatever, but I actually ended up uh, having a, a dream about Kyle. Um, I, I was dreaming, and I, uh, I, actually, I, I dreamed that I died. And that uh, I arrived up at the pearly gates and uh, there was Peter. And I said, uh, Peter, here's my name. You can check. I'm, I'm okay. And he said, well, give me just a second. And so he, he goes away and he comes back. And my dream, I, just as clear and vivid as I can imagine, and, and he says, well, I've, I've got good news and bad news. And I said, well, do give me the good news first. And he said, the good news is th- that you're in the bad news is you just barely made it. And about that time, I, I've gotta tell you, the most, the most hideous looking woman I've ever seen in my life appeared right there beside me. I mean, this woman was just, I mean, ugly is the only way to describe it. I'm just trying to be kind with it. But she was right there and he said, because you barely made it, uh, for eternity you're in, but she's gonna walk beside you the whole time. And I'm thinking in my dream, you know, I'm in heaven, I know it's eternity, but how bad can it be? I'll just, okay, I'm in. So later on, I'm walking down the street of gold, and there in my dream, I look across the way, and there's Kyle. And I'm like, this is awesome. He got in too. (laughs) But then I look, and I got to tell you something. The most beautiful woman imaginable is walking with him. I mean, she is just Gorgeous, She's breathtaking. And I got to thinking, wait a minute. We're both preachers here, okay? I, I, I've got to walk next to this for eternity, and he's walking next to that for eternity? And so I ran and found Peter in the dream. And I said, Peter, I've got to talk to you, buddy. I said, I think we've got a problem here. I just saw Kyle Wright. And I, I know you explained it to me, and it was very clear, and I understand, and all this. But that woman he's walking with, she is beautiful. And Peter looked at me, and he said, yep, yeah, she barely made it in. <laughs> now, that has nothing to do with my talk, okay? But that's just a picket to Kyle there. <laughs> um, We all want to be the best that we can be at whatever it is we're doing. And I think that's especially true for men. I I think there's something deep down inside of all of us that no matter what it might be, we want to make sure that we're good at it. That we know what we're doing And the outcome is going to be very favorable. We all have various roles. We have fathers, husbands, grandfathers, spiritual leaders in our family. And we assume all of these different roles. But there's also something that I think is somewhat unique to us men. And that is that deep down inside of all of us, we think we have to know something about everything. As a male, it's almost like that's part of our DNA. That, that somehow, no matter what the subject is, no matter what the topic, no matter what's going on, we have to know something about everything. Now, if you don't believe that, you can just kind of notice the little huddles of men that gather around in the foyer in different spots at church. And the conversations that are taking place. And if, if we find ourselves in one of those little huddles, and, and there's a discussion going on, we almost immediately feel like that we have to somehow contribute to that discussion. Whatever it is that they're talking about, hunting, fishing, sports, you name it, no matter what it is, there's something that, that inside of us that's tugging that makes us think, you know what, I... I I need to contribute to this conversation. And our minds are working, and we're trying to think of, of, of what can I say or what can I inject into this conversation because inside of us we think, you know what, i got to know something, no matter what it is, small, large, in between, about everything. And if we're ever in one of those little huddles, and we suddenly realize, you know what, they're over my head or they're talking about something that I, I don't think I can contribute, you know what we do? We'll go find us another huddle. We'll kind of move ourselves away so that we can be in that huddle where we can contribute and we can feel good about ourselves because we know something about what's being talked about. Now, you transfer that concept or that idea that, that, that's kind of, In all of us, (laughs) to the idea of the roles that we play within our families. And perhaps maybe we can become a little uncomfortable at times. Because we begin to think Am I doing enough? Am I saying the right things to my kids? Am I loving my wife the way that I should? Am I leading my family spiritually? Am I doing enough? Now, this morning, I want us to borrow a phrase from Albert Einstein. Solomon, of course, was the wisest man to ever live. Asked God for wisdom, got a double portion. We understand the wisdoms of Solomon. But next to Solomon, Einstein was a pretty wise guy himself. He was a great inventor. He was a a great thinker. He was a genius. Here's what he once said. He said, I don't need to know everything. I just need to know where to go to find it. Now, Einstein was not just speaking to men. But what I want to do is I want to kind of borrow that phrase this morning in our first session here. And in thinking about the various roles, and also keeping in mind that, that in the back of our mind, there's this, this tug that, that, that as a male, I, I, I need to be successful here. In terms of a father, in terms of a husband, in terms of a spiritual leader in my family. Think about that for a moment. I don't need to know everything, but I do need to know where to go to find it. And the good news of the morning is this, God has spoken. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, the text says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Everything you need pertaining to life. And in this context, everything you need to be that husband, to be that father, to be that spiritual leader, to be that godly man, everything you need God has spoken but here's our problem we oftentimes treat this book the same way we treat this book now this is the Bible, I think you know that but we walk by faith and not by sight so I'll tell you what this is this is part of the owner's manual in my car I actually couldn't find the whole thing. I don't know what happened to it. (laughs) But that's part of it. I don't know about you, but if you've ever gotten that new car... And if your wife is like mine, you're going down the road and she's pushing every button and she's looking at every new gadget and she's, you know, what's this and what will this do? And this is, oh, this is so cool. This is awesome. And all the new bells and whistles and all this stuff, trying to find out where everything's at and how everything works. And I'm like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. It might break. Don't mess with it. It's brand new. Leave it alone. All this. And she opens the glove compartment and she pulls out a book like that. And she looks at it and she goes, what is this? And we say, don't worry about that. Just put it back. And the reason for that is this. If the little check engine light comes on, you know what? I got a guy. <laughs> I just take it down there and let him take care of it. If, if the brakes need fixing, I'm going to take it to the shop and let somebody else deal with all of that. If another little warning light comes on, I'm not worried about that. I'll I'll take it down there and let, let somebody else deal with it. Now that might work with your car, but men, that does not work when it comes to being the godly man that God wants us to be. When it comes to spiritual matters, I can't just say, you know what? Let the church deal with that. When it comes to a good marriage, you know, I'll just kind of let things work out. When it comes to my kids, that's what we got a youth minister for, right? Now, I don't have time to really unpack each one of those roles in this session. We're going to talk a little bit about them more uh, maybe the next one when we talk about some uncomfortable relationships. But here's here's the deal. God will help us to accomplish the mission as good fathers, good husbands, and good spiritual leaders. Because one of the most incredible things about God that I've discovered is that God never calls us to anything that He does not equip us fully to accomplish. God's never going to ask you to do anything in your life as one of His children that he's not going to fully equip you and provide for you everything and every resource, and most importantly, the power and strength to be able to be successful in what you're doing. Can you imagine this morning if God said, I want you to be the best godly father there is, and grandpa that there is, and and, and husband that there is, and I want you to guide your Your family, and I want you to lead them in the way that that I would have them to go, and good luck with all of that. And he just left us out there, high and dry. But he doesn't do that, he equips us. Peter said he's given us all things that pertain to life. Now, if you have your Bible or it's on your iphone so many people use that now ipad whatever you use to access the word of god go to deuteronomy chapter 29 because we're going to be in deuteronomy 29 kind of use that as our text and guide here this morning in talking about these roles and how we can be successful in these roles let me give you the background you remember moses has led god's people out of bondage He's carried them to the brink of the promised land. But because of their disobedience, they are made to wander in the land for 40 years. Now, Moses had sent out the spies, and 10 of them come back and say, there's no way. We're like grasshoppers compared to those people. And God says, if, you feel that way you don't trust me then you're going to spend 40 years wandering out here in the wilderness it's at the end of that 40 years that we get to the book of deuteronomy the 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 word deuteronomy actually means repeating of the law all deuteronomy really is 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 moses reiterating everything he's already told the people Now, remember, Moses is not going to go into the promised land, but here's what he's saying to them. He said, look, I want to remind you of some things. I I told you all this 40 years ago when we were about to go in, and because of the problem that we had and we didn't go in, and it's 40 years later, now I want to let you know some things and remind you some things that you need to know when you go into that land. Now, let's look at verse 29. That's our theme verse. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Now imagine, men, you're about to lead your family into this new and challenging land. I don't know how many of you take family vacations, but if you're like me, I need a vacation after the vacation, <laughs> because all the planning and all the work and all the things that go into trying to get that vacation going, and and, and you know you're trying to do this, you're trying to do that, it can be exhausting or whatever, right? You got to. Make a checklist almost of all the things you need to do and all the things you need to take with you and all this kind of stuff, Much less what happens when you get there, especially when you're dealing with little kids. You're about to go into this promised land. You're about to go in this new place. You're about to face all of these challenges. What is it that you need to know? You see, it's, it's really kind of the same principle as when they hand you that little bundle of joy for the first time, and you look at it and you go, Oh no, I'm responsible for this. What do I need to know? Or when you walk down an aisle like this and you stood with a preacher and you exchange vows with a person that you're saying, you know what, I'm going to spend the rest of my life, no matter what, there are no deal breakers here, okay, with you. What do I need to know? Or when you're thinking late at night, what is it that I need to know to be able to really strengthen my family and guide my family and make sure that my family is is, is walking in the way of the Lord. What do I need to know? And couple that with what we've already talked about, it creates this anxiety in us that says, am I doing enough? And that can be uncomfortable. We're going to kind of unpackage this verse. We're going to look at it like this. What you can't know, what you can know, and what you must know. The first thing is this. You can't know everything about God. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. There is a side of God that is mysterious and we simply cannot understand or wrap our mind around. That we simply can't know. The text says, "Uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are far above your ways. And so dads, when that kid comes to you with a deep question about God I've learned it's okay to say I don't know and here's why because the greatest example I believe that we can provide our families is that there is trust in faith in fact that's really what the word's all about trust and I I have to admit that over the years as a preacher I'm sure Kyle can attest to this too there have been so many times that people have come to me with the question what is God up to why is God allowing this to happen What what is God doing and I have to admit sometimes I have to say you know I don't know But I know this, you can trust him. You can trust that he knows what he's doing. Now now think about Abraham and his son Isaac. Here's a guy who has no kids, he has no son, he desires to have a son. God shows up one day when he's about 75 and says, look, you're going to have a son. 25 years later, still no son. He has the son. He's finally got this son. He has to be excited, ecstatic about it. And then what does God do? Take your son up on the mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. And then Abraham in this story does something that just totally blows me away. I've always found this as interesting abraham reasons like this he says if i kill my son i suppose that god will raise him from the dead to this point in time how many people has god raised from the dead zero that we know of it's not like abraham had witnessed that two or three times And can you imagine on that trip that that Isaac may have asked the question, Dad, what's God up to? You think Abraham pulled the donkey over into the rest area on the way up the mountain and said, hop out, son, have a seat, and let me give you this deep theological discussion because I know exactly what God is up to. But men, perhaps the greatest moment in the life of that son was when he saw his dad demonstrate incredible faith in God. And don't think they're not watching. The secret things belong to God. Secondly, you can know what God has revealed. The text says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. God has spoken. The expectations of God are there. You may not be able to explain everything about God, but you can know this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God has spoken. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. God has spoken. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, and since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered, God has spoken. He has given us what? Everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's given us the playbook. He's given us what we need. He's said enough for us to be successful. He has told us enough to remove the uncomfortableness or the anxiety that maybe we feel sometimes in those various roles. You see, there's four basic questions that every single one of us is trying to answer. Where did I come from? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do while I'm here? And where am I going when all this is over with? Origins, purpose, value, and destiny. And men, can I say this? If if we help our families, and others for that matter, outside of our family, if we help people, and in particular our, our people, our family answer those four questions, we have set them on a course for success. If I can help them understand that that we didn't evolve from pond scum, that there is a God who created all things, if somehow I can help them to know that God has a purpose and a meaning for their life, if I can help them to understand and have a moral compass for living their life here, and if I can really help them understand that this is not what it's all about, this world really is not our home, that there is a better place that we're all striving for to get to, you have done a good thing as a man to do that. The things revealed belong to God. And then you must follow what God said. What must I do? I must follow what God said. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of His law. Here's the key to success. Authenticity. We'll deal with that a little bit more in some of the other sessions, but authenticity. Most of us have a high-definition TV. I don't even know if they make the other kind anymore. Probably not. One of the things I enjoy to do is is, is go to Best Buy and go back to the TVs, right, and dream. (laughs) Look at all these TVs. I mean, it's the clearest picture you can imagine know 4k and all this stuff and it's, it's really cool now they got the smart TVs with the, all the stuff Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff that's in there if you deal with all that so already right there in the TV don't have to buy anything extra it's all right there and they've got these huge TVs I mean they, they, some of them are as big as those windows back there there's just massive TVs and they're crystal clear And the thing that really blows us away is not so much the size, it's not so much, you know, all of the bells and whistles that go with it. I think the thing that really blows us away is now now we know that the actors have wrinkles. It is so clear. You know, we watch the football game, and I mean, we can almost read the lips of the quarterback calling the play in the huddle if they get close enough, right? I mean, it's so clear. We have to live our lives in high definition. Do I act the same way at home that I act at church? Do I talk the same way at home that I talk at church? Am I the same way at the office that I am here? Do my actions out there in the home reflect my actions here? I had a guy in my office about a year or so ago. He was raised in the church, but he had left the church many years ago, gone into the Marines was a firefighter, since retired as a firefighter. And he was in my office and he was wanting to get his life right. And and there's tears pouring down his cheeks when he's telling me this. He said, Rick, we we all went to church growing up. But he said, my dad left God at church. And he went on to tell me about alcohol and some other things that were going on in the house. He said, but at church, let me tell you what. We were like third row people. We just left God back there. we know what to do we need to do it and we need to be authentic in doing it we need to do it all the time when the only one that's watching us is the only one that matters that person in our life that we are having an influence over Folks, we are living in a messed up culture. And it's not getting any better. My mother is 89 years old. And I go to see her every Friday. Spend most Fridays with her. My mother's a postal Christian. Rain, sleet, or snow, it's off to church we go. We were never allowed to miss And if we did, then we just got to hope Grace is going to take care of that. She was devout. She reads her Bible every night. I asked her not long ago, I said, Mama, how many times have you read your Bible? She said, I think I have read through the Bible five times, cover to cover. She said, but now don't ask me about any of that stuff. (laughs) You know. Devout Christian. She asked me the other day she said do you think the world will ever be a better place I said mama I don't know but I know what Jesus said he said so it was in the days of Noah so shall it be when I come back if we think the world's going to right itself we are wrong men we live in a messed up world it's messed up on marriage. It's messed up on gender identity. It's messed up on God. And it is huge that we are clear. And the first Bible that our family sees is our lives. That that's the real Bible they're reading every day as they look at us and see us modeling the words of God in our life. Because if worship is not important to you, it's not going to be important to them. And, and let me let me do a timeout right here, okay? Get on a pet peeve. And you can agree or disagree, that's okay. I'll be leaving at, I don't know, 1230. <laughs> Driving home in the rain, but We've got folks, and I don't know if you do or not, but we've got folks that they'll be gone for two or three weeks because they've got to take little Johnny on the travel ball team. Gotta go play that ball game. And I don't know if they're going to church wherever they are or not. Chances are they're not. Then they'll come back. They'll be there for a few weeks and then and, and they make no bones about it. You know, where were you? Well, we were we we're playing ball. Busy summer. You know what? I don't worry so much about dad and mom. Because one day little Johnny and little Susie are going to hang up their cleats. Dad and mom's going to waltz back in and they'll be there every week. See who I worry about. I worry about little Johnny and little Susie. Because the foundation is not there. It's not there. If it's not important to us, it's not going to be important to them. If they don't see Dad on his knees praying, what makes us think they're going to go to God when they have a need? If we're not living out our faith, if we're not making some demonstration that this is important, Christianity's better demonstrated than debated any day. I can take a Bible and beat them to death with it, but if I live it. And at the end of the day, when I'm no longer here, my kids can say, you know what? My dad was doing everything he could to live out his faith in front of us. I've been successful. I've been successful. no matter where I live or what I drive, I've been successful. So let me ask you a question. What's the most manly thing that you've ever done? You don't have to answer that. I didn't know how big our audience would be. I thought about it. we'd just go around the room, let everybody tell us what's the most manly thing you think you've ever done? I was at a men's retreat, and we did that. We kind of went around the room and everything. Everybody's talking about this. Well, I did this, or I did that, or I changed this, or I did that, or all these really kind of bizarre things that in our mind we thought were just incredibly manly things to do. Down where we live, we get hurricanes. We get storms raining today, it's stormy, but I mean, we get some pretty powerful storms. In fact, this last year, it was a real active year for us. Now most years, we, uh, you know, it's, it's not too bad. I mean, they hit all around us, but where we're at, we, we somehow we dodged them. And our, our youth minister's from North Alabama and spent four years in Tanzania, Africa, as a missionary, incredible guy, but he's not familiar with, with hurricanes. And our secretary is from Fort Deposit, Alabama, which is about, uh, I guess, about 120 miles, 140 miles up the road. She didn't grow up around hurricanes. I grew up in Mobile my whole life. I know all about hurricanes and this, that, and the other. So I'm, I'm the staff expert on storms. So when these storms are coming, they'll say, Mr. Rick, what's happening? What do we need to do? Do we need to leave, need to stay? What do we need to do and all this? The rule of thumb is this. You don't want to be on the east side of the storm because it turns counterclockwise, and that's where the real bad stuff is at. So if the storm is hitting anywhere to the east of us, even Pensacola, which is only 40 miles away to where Kyle was at, you're really okay. Chances are, you're gonna get wind, you're gonna get rain, you're gonna get some of that stuff, but you don't have the devastation. If that thing's going anywhere west of you, look out, because you're gonna get all the bad stuff. You're gonna get the worst quadrant of the storm and everything. This year we had two storms that come to us. One of them was a little bit east of our house, and so I didn't get all that upset about it. As it turned out, it, it, it hit Spanish Fort area pretty good, kind of came right through there, and uh, we had quite a bit of damage over that way. The second one kind of hit a little bit west of us, and I was like worried about that one. So the storm is coming, and, and that night what happens is, they always come at night, it's kind of eerie, they always come at night. And, and and me and my wife, we've got the candles lit, and all the power's out, and there's no air, and it's always in the summer, and it's burning hot in there and everything, and we're listening to this wind just howl outside. Just just, I mean, it's just storming out there in the trees. You can hear them breaking and cracking and all this kind of stuff. And, and we, have a, we have a garage that her car stays in, but my car stays outside, right? That's how it's supposed to work. It's in the manual, check it. So I had pulled my, car, my van up on the side of the house between me and the house next door, thinking that's a safe place, it's gonna be okay. No limbs will get it, everything's gonna be fine and everything. Well, somewhere in the middle of that storm now, and the wind's blowing at 100-mile gust plus, all that's happening and everything, we hear this loud crash outside the window. So I take my mag-light, you know, I got one of them big flashlights, you know, shine from here to, you know, Atlanta. And so I, I, I go outside, I try, and sure enough, this limb, this massive, massive limb, it crashes and hits the ground out there on the neighbor's side. Whew, thank goodness it was their limb. They can keep it. So it's over there. But I'm scared for my van now. I'm like, oh, my van's in a bad place, honey. My van's in a bad place. Next door to us, their driveway, there's no trees. There's nothing over there. And we know them because it's her mom and dad own the house. So I said, I'm going to move the van. What? I'm going to move the van. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I'm going to move the van. It's going to get hit. It's going to get destroyed. i got to move the van. So I go outside in the middle of a hurricane. Remember the question, what's the most manly thing you've ever done? So, so I go outside and the wind's blowing and it's just stinging my face with the rain blowing in. I go get in the van, crank it up, drive it out. Said, well, ain't nobody out driving. I'm in good shape here. So I pull it out and take it over and put it in the neighbors to protect it and everything. As it turned out, good thing. A tree fell right where it was. I was smart. And so I move that thing. I get back in the house. And my wife looked at me and she goes, you're a real man. what's that story got to do with anything let me tell you what's the most manly thing that you have ever done or could ever do it's not go out in the middle of a hurricane and move your car it's not whatever else you may have come up with that you've done that you would put up there win the trophy. Men, the most manly thing that any of us could ever do is fulfill the God-given roles that God has given to each of us. And you won't be perfect. And you won't know everything. But all you need to know is where to find it when you need it. And God has given you that. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Father, for the awesome responsibility that you give us our roles as fathers and husbands and spiritual leaders of our family and Lord I pray that you will strengthen us and help us Lord to look to you for that strength that guidance and that purpose that we have in our lives help us to be the men that you have called us to be help us to fulfill those roles thank you Father for loving us, thank you for your word that gives us all things that pertain to life In Jesus' name we ask it, and amen.
2: Wow, Rick, that great lesson. I appreciate that so much. I was, uh, you know, you hit on something. I just happened to be reading something recently. I like literary um, things, and uh, one of my favorite books was Old Man in the Sea. You read it, I'm sure? And uh, the movie came on. I don't know if you guys saw it. Me and my wife love old movies, old movies. And it reminded me of the things that were in there. And I uh, started looking it up again and uh, spent a little time doing that. But I found this, and it says here about that, about that book. Um, and uh, I'm just going to read what this man said, because it's, it's, if you know it, I'll talk to you some more about it, because there is a Jesus reference in that book, if you didn't know. Success is all too often assumed to be the indicator of the value of a man. We agree with that? That's in in this world, right? Uh, But success in and of itself merely speaks to a particular status and may have nothing to do with the journey that the man took to get there or whether or not he retained his integrity to get there. So you hit me uh, with a little something there. I'm not meaning to summarize what you said at all because it was awesome. As promised, let's have a quick break, but if I could just one second... Thank the people that have helped here uh, today. And well, it's been a minute, like Rick said, it's been uh, really two years in the making uh, for today. But, um, and I'm gonna list some names here. Kyle, uh, you, uh, great help uh, uh, working on uh, uh, with uh, uh, Rick here. Uh, we have uh, Rich Whedon and Richard Smith. Give them a hug, they spend a lot of good time um, Uh, If you can, uh, give them a a COVID hug or something. Uh, Upstairs, I don't see them here. Donnie Lewis, George Reese, and Billy Williams. I don't see any of them here. They're upstairs still. They started last night cooking meat for us. And I came in, and I looked. They had that chicken on. It's going to be awesome Uh, again. Give them a great thanks and help wherever you can to help them clean up. But Tom Mowjury helped organize. Duke Allen helped organize downstairs. And we have folks here that you've seen. Chase and Brian Strickland will be up in a minute. Uh, Jack and his prayers and Kevin Tate and his crew up there. Thank them all and certainly thank the elders for allowing us to have this uh, today. Uh, About ten minutes or so. Let's have a break. When you hear the song, come
0: back in.